Thank you for joining us on this week's Comics Pals Reviews. Today, we're here to talk about two of Marvel's hottest books. Of course, those being Fantastic Four Life Story number one and Way of X number two. We're going to start today with Fantastic Four number one. We've been really excited about this book, and you're going to find out what we thought about it in just a moment. Before we get to that, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the internet. Of course, we are the Comics Pals. We talk about the characters you love and all the places you can find them. If that interests you, every single Monday, our main show drops where we're talking about the news of the industry. We're doing interviews, and we talk about these characters as well. So if you're into that, Every single Monday, make sure that you guys get with us, like the video, share it with your friends, drop us a comment, subscribe to our channel, follow us on social media, and on all podcast hosting platforms. We really appreciate your support. Drop those comments if you like these books, and if there are any other books you want us to review for you guys. So without further ado, let's talk about Fantastic Four, life story number one, the 60s. This is by Mark Russell with art by Sean Isaacs uh, with colors by Nolan Woodard and letters by Joe Caramagna. So life story uh, is pretty cool. They did the Spider-Man life story that we generally really enjoyed. We put out a book club about that. This one, of course, about everyone's favorite comic book family, the Fantastic Four. And uh, this issue basically just goes through their their time in the 60s from their first mission all the way through to their first baby so it covers a lot of ground in one shot uh what did you guys think of this issue i it it was good i liked it um it felt like it lacked some heat though you know Mm. uh human torch notwithstanding um like there's no Doctor Doom here. There's no real antagonist at all, really. Um, and there were some interesting creative choices. Like Ben Grimm wasn't Reed's college roommate or football yeah. star or whatever. He's just some guy that Johnny knows randomly for some reason. Uh, Apparently, I was reading so, some weird choices here. Apparently, that was the original uh, setup. Was that Ben and Reed didn't know each other uh, in the lee kirby stuff okay huh well when you do that it makes him come off like less of a family like ben is just a stranger at this point right like i guess the the real tension here is that the thing really seems to resent mr fantastic um and for good reason he's just some dude that got plucked off the street by this scientist and now he's covered in rocks and his whole life is ruined like in the original premise of the fantastic four when when reed is is ben's best friend and he's close with all these people like yeah your life's from him but at least he's love your family here he's a loner and it's a weird choice to really delineate that far from the source material for something that i feel like is supposed to be like the life story of the fantastic four so that's that's one thing that immediately stood out to me yeah um i agree i i think that the I think that the premise of it where you're, 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 you know, you're telling the, the life story of these characters, it's tremendous on paper. Uh, we saw that it worked in the Spider-Man instance. I think here um, there's so much that has to be established really quickly uh, because with Spider-Man, it's just that one guy, right? And 
it's a story that is really simple and really straightforward. Um, I would say the Fantastic Four story is fairly simple as well, but there's a lot of contorting you have to do to make it make sense. How did these characters end up even being able to get on a spaceship and encounter these cosmic rays that gave them their powers? And, you know, Mark Russell has a lot of work to do in this one issue to establish all of them, to establish how Reed would get this opportunity, why he chooses who he chooses, what happens to them, yada, yada, yada. There's so much story. And he only gets one issue to do the 60s. Mm. And it felt like too much um i think that there were parts that were really good really strong storytelling by mark russell he identified some key elements of the fantastic four i love the differentiation between you know uh desperation and um uh, yes desperation and what was the other one um Basically, just the idea that, you know, bad ideas come from a place of desperation. Yeah. And good ideas are a product of inspiration. There, thank you. Inspiration. Yes. Uh, that was a really smart kind of juxtaposition. And the way that he threaded that out through the issue was nice. I really enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, this issue does have a, a, a villain um, in a sense um, it's this other scientist who feels like he's a Dr. Doom stand-in almost. I know he's not, yeah. but I, I kind of got that that vibe. Um, uh, Ricardo Jones, I believe is his name. And, yeah. you know, he has a, a, a hatred for Reed because he feels like Reed stole his opportunity, which again, very reminiscent of Dr. Doom. His absence here um, is a little off. Uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, Doctor Doom was a character that they encountered in the '60s, no? Yeah, a hundred percent. Surely, yeah. He's one of the oldest antagonists of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I don't necessarily know that he was, uh, you know, there for the origin, but I, yeah, I think he's easily one of the oldest. Like Phil said, yeah. I think Mole Man was first. He which debuted in Fantastic Four number five. There you go. Um, that that feels a little a little off, you know. Doctor Doom is so integral to the story of the Fantastic Four that for him not to be present in this first issue is a little bit weird, at least in some capacity. Um, Mark Russell uses Galactus in what would probably have been Doom's place in the sense of he's the big villain of the Fantastic Four that you see in this issue. And he is used to represent uh, the inevitability of death. You know, all inspiration, all idea, all hope is annihilated by death. And that's what Galactus is. He is the very antithesis of what the Fantastic Four are about because he's absolute he's as absolute as those other concepts more so because death will come for you you, you know um and i love that that the way that mark russell um made that clear through this issue he used galactus to great effect um but i i still needed dr doom and i think that that's the problem you only get one issue to do the 60s and you didn't get to show yeah. us either one of them in their fullness 
I think yeah, and you know, I looked I, I looked up Ricardo Jones and he was in one issue of the Fantastic Four in issue number fifty, and he basically took the thing's powers because he had a grudge against Reed Richards. Like it's kind of a weird character to bring out of obscurity for a book that's I, I feel like intended to kind of familiarize new readers with what the Fantastic Four are about. <clears throat> I think though the thing is like the reason I feel like we're probably going to have a little bit harder of a time with this one is that the Fantastic Four is a very timeless set of characters. Uh and what I mean by that specifically is you can kind of tell a Fantastic Four story in any era, and it's going to feel pretty much the same. Yeah. Not like Spider-Man, who has very clear eras. You know, the 90s were the Venom suit. The uh, the 2000s were marked by whatever it was they were marked by. Uh, uh, but, but the Fantastic Four is a little harder to peg down, especially when you're – actually looking over a whole lifetime um and it, like the the big one of the biggest fantastic four storylines is the the wedding you know reed and sue's wedding and um they i mean that's a panel here yeah so yeah, yeah i i think i think the focus on galactus while warranted uh is like it's in in the absence of other things i think it doesn't quite make sense yeah i think that there was a lot sacrificed this issue probably needed to be a little longer yeah. um i i think it was it's it's slightly longer than an average comic i think um uh i couldn't tell i but, feel like it was like 30 pages roughly yeah but it, it, it probably needed to be even longer than that um, just to get everything in. And I think, Kale, you made an excellent point when you say that the Fantastic Four are timeless. Um, and really the, the, the big bulk of the things that you think about or that are known about them happen within those first two decades. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what, what are you going to do when you get to, to the 2000s? Like, is that really that interesting of a time for them? No, it's really those earlier years. And I think not being able to spend more time with them then is going to make this hard to do. Now, we know from the Spider-Man life story that there were a lot of liberties taken. It goes in a very different direction, a more yeah. um, a direction that feels more likely true if the character had a linear lifespan like real people. Um, they're probably going to do a similar thing here with the Fantastic Four. They have to. Um, that's fine, but not at the sacrifice of some of those bigger moments like you laid out there, Kale. Um, that said, I enjoyed the issue. I think the art was really good. Um, I was really impressed, actually, by, by the art. It looks so great. Um, and the colors are, are, are also tremendous. I can't wait to see more. Um, because this first issue had a lot of legwork to do. But I think once you get into the next couple, there's going to be more freedom. 
Yeah, and you know what? Compliments to Galactus, like the design of Galactus, he looked incredibly imposing here. Yeah, um, especially the first time we get all these close-ups of his face with the eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Galactus is I. Everyone always says he's like goofy looking. I think he's one of the best looking characters in comics. I love the way that Galactus looks. <laughs> Especially when you get an artist who um, who gets it, you know, and I think that that's what we saw here. So, yeah, I, lo- I love Galactus. And I like all the 60s throwback stuff. Um, I think the Fantastic Four look really, uh, maybe perhaps more than any other comic book characters really benefit from like the 60s retro look. Um, like seeing them next to like John Kennedy and stuff, like yeah. it kind of feels right. I, 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 I think from an aesthetic, uh, you know, the first issue works really well in that regard. Are you guys interested in what's coming next? Yeah, I got to finish it. <laughs> I got to see what happens. I think I'm more interested to see how, what – yes, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more interested to see how how Mark Russell does it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like we like we said, like everything that was laid out here minus Doom is basically their life. So what's left? Yeah, um, I think that there's interesting stuff to play with with Civil War, and yeah. you know how they kind of. Um, fell apart during that time period uh the namor stuff obviously um you know Mm -hmm. valeria Mm -hmm. coming into the into the picture so there there is stuff to do um but you're right like this is the council of reeds the council of reeds absolutely yeah they went to hell once yeah that's you know that's something um i love the life story concept I think that Mark Russell has a good handle on these characters based on this first issue. There's a lot of meat left on the bone, um, especially if he's going to go and diverge from the natural path and do similar stuff to what Chip Zdarsky did with Spider-Man. So Mm. I'm, I'm all in. I didn't love this first issue. I love the idea of it more than anything. I think it does good stuff. It's not perfect, um, but I'm looking forward to more. Mm -hmm. Right there with you. Uh, so let's let's chat about Way of X number two. This is by uh, Cy Spurrier. Uh, is he going by Simon yet, or is it or is it Cy? Or uh, he's credited as Cy Spurrier. So we'll go with that. Uh, with art by Bob Quinn, uh, colors by Java Tartaglia, Tartaglia, uh, letters by Clayton Cowles, and of course Tom Muller, the designer of the X books. Um, I was not as high on the initial Way of X issue um, as you guys were. Um, I felt that it was a little too wordy, it being an oversized issue. There was just a lot of words per page. I think this one was a lot better. Um, Still very wordy. I don't think that we're going to get away from that. But it being a little bit shorter and a little more focused on a specific idea with a specific group of characters a little more streamlined i really enjoyed that yeah yeah i felt like this was really uh concise 
in in what it was trying to do and i think that really um helped the the comic book nature of it in trying to take it from like a philosophical uh uh thing quandary like the first issue was to leading nightcrawler somewhere mm-hmm. to sort of help him figure out his issues and and come to uh a moral decision yeah i think it's a really interesting concept and i really like these two issues a lot um I think it's a really interesting concept. I, I feel like really, other than maybe Logan, we haven't had a character really to centralize around during all of the John of X stuff, the Krakoa era of X-Men. Um, it, it feels like we have a wide cast of characters that we kind of focus on at different points here. And I guess now we're on Nightcrawler, but Nightcrawler is a really interesting choice because he offers this opportunity to really delve into the morality of everything that's happening in Krakoa. I think that is a more relatable entry point for a reader to kind of look at things with a a questioning eye. Um, It's interesting because we focus on the revival of all this and and the morality of actually reviving these these characters and and kind of the, the, the culture of it all. Like all these young mutants are now, you know, celebrating like the Coliseum style of resurrection for the people who have been depowered. And, you know, as if you're an outsider or a person that didn't like grow up with that, I guess, you know, that seems barbaric because people are being executed essentially. Uh, so I, I think Siceberger has done a really good job of basically grasping with what's happening in Krakoa and saying like, I, this isn't really normal and a reader shouldn't be coming into this thinking this is normal. It, it, it's good to all the forward momentum that Hickman is providing these books to have someone kind of, you know, grind it down to a halt and actually stop and look around and see what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really into these, this, this title actually. And, and that's one of the things that like coming out of Hoxpox and the early issues of uh, Dawn of X that like when you put that idea down on paper, that's the thing that will make this era of X-Men last. Uh, But up to now, like there are only a handful of things like that that have really stuck. And it feels like we're only just like, you know, on the show proper, uh, we talked about uh, Mystique coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, that's one of the thing, you know, it's been how many issues of God knows how many comics since we've seen her and, and like her dilemma is one of the really central mysteries of Krakoa and, you know, Moira and Xavier, but we've seen hide nor hair of it. Yeah. Um, but I, this, this, I think it's okay. But this, this story is one of the things that will uh, uh, build the world of Krakoa and the way the mutants think and and live. I think it's okay to to delineate away from the kind of 
core moral questions that are taking place because I, I feel like for the last year and a half or so, other than you know the the ten of swords stuff that happened, we need to take the time to establish that Krakoa is kind of the new norm. I think that's fine, uh, but we need to get to a point where we. I, I think Krakoa is pretty well established at this point, like the the culture, uh, the ethos, the pathos of it all. So I think. I think now's a good time for, I, 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 it seems like Siceberger is the right person to do it too, to, to kind of really sit down and, and stop and say, why are we doing things the way we're doing it? Yeah, I, I think that there's definitely space for that. It's sitting and establishing, you know, why Krakoa is different, how it's different, what they're going to have to do differently in order for it to become a true um, alternative to normal life, a place where mutants can be fully authentically them and what it means to be a mutant in all aspects of life holistically. I think that that is important. Um, but that's a big, that's a big question. And yeah. having books that can answer pieces of those questions definitely makes sense. Unfortunately, you know, um, that has to be accomplished within the confines of a comic book. And we saw with X Corp, you know, there were certain things that we wanted out of that book that we didn't quite get, right? Like yeah. we wanted um, it to lean in more on the premise and it didn't do that. Way of X, whether you like it or not, is doing that. Um, it's showing us a different slice of life on Krakoa. And it's following a mutant that is universally loved. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Nightcrawler. Um, through, you know, if you like Nightcrawler, you like that aspect of him. You like that he's a, a deeper thinker. You like that he's asking himself philosophical questions. You like the religious element of his character. So this book is catered to you in that sense. Um, and then, by the way, you know, we haven't brought it up, brought it up really yet, but like the inclusion of Legion is really interesting. Yes. Um, and he's a character that for me, I'm not really that familiar with. So, so his, um, his inclusion here has been really good and interesting. And he's the catalyst for us to get some really interesting stuff going on. Um, let's talk about what actually happens in the issue, right? So they, and by they, I mean Nightcrawler and Pixie and Nemesis. Nightcrawler has to assemble, you know, this, this group of characters to go and help Legion out. Um, he needs to die. Uh, his brain has been uh, taken by Orcus, and they're essentially simulating the end of, of, of mutants, the end of Krakoa. Um, and Nightcrawler has, he's faced with a massive decision. He has to kill a, 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 a mutant, you know, a person. Um, and what does that mean for him religiously? How does that impact him on that level? Those are the kinds of things that we are going to get with this series. Yeah, he, he actually has to take a life. Uh, that's actually a really gripping couple of pages too when he, he takes the, the, the gun, the projectile weapon that he, he shoots the, the brain with because that's all, all that's left of Legion at this point is his brain in like a think tank kind of thing. Like it, it's, it's being self-sustained in some kind of 
tank and and nightcrawler is on the precipice of, of begging for for forgiveness from god and he, he basically says forget it it's an interesting page because obviously we know legion's gonna be revived by the pods in krakoa and you know he's been gripping with like the very nature of this reincarnation since the very beginning so i'm not sure what that says about him but legion takes out like this this actual physical manifestation of doubt that exists in nightcrawler's brain that's been making him like doubt himself really and that's really interesting too so like when that's removed i guess that kind of um indecision no longer exists in him um legion's a really good catalyst because he's kind of like a joker type figure here he he can't really exist in the social construct of krakow as we know it because that's not really his jam hmm. yeah yeah um but he is every bit of mutant and the relationship mm-hmm. between him and uh, his father, Professor Xavier, is obviously very complicated. And e- it's even clearer that Professor Xavier sees him as a complication, uh, someone yeah. who could disrupt the natural order of Krakoa. He didn't want to resurrect him. And that's a major thing. Whether you know Legion or you don't, the idea that his own father does not want to bring him back tells you that Legion's a problem. Um, what is also a problem is that apparently he has the power himself to bring himself back. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also he doesn't trust Professor X or Magneto, which led to the tease at the end that was kind of shocking. Um, and it's a shame Markle's not here for this because he would have eaten it up. That's right. Uh, he mentions Onslaught. What are the that's chances they bring direction. that character back? Yeah, that's a really interesting choice. Um, I think at this point, really, and with regard to like mutant and onslaught's like the main antagonist that we haven't really seen, you know, any indication of until now. Because yeah. really, what he's been he's been around for two like major events in comics, and that's it. He's like a, an event character. So d- does this mean? As we get out of the Hellfire Gala, that like, you know, the next iteration of of Krakoa stories are going to be centered around Onslaught in some way. Uh, he may, he may be in the Hellfire Gala hmm. to some extent. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, wedding, you know, he's going to wedding crashers it or anything, but you know, he may have a presence. I'm wondering if. The idea here is that the stress that Professor Xavier and Magneto are under to run Krakoa, coupled with whatever murder is going to occur uh, in the Hellfire Gala, might lead to Onslaught. That's right. What's Onslaught's deal? Isn't he a version of Xavier that he, yeah. snaps or something? Well, he onslaught is the combination of Magneto and Xavier's consciousness, right? So um, this story is all about them kind of being like tied at the hip, you know, um, and and this is all their ambition and their dream, and as onslaught loves to say, the dream is dead, right? So 
Uh, right. This this could be this could be leading down that road. I know a lot of people hate onslaught because of the you know the edginess or whatever. Um, I would welcome it. I think onslaught's cool. I'm a big fan of that character. Not necessarily the stories he's been in, but the idea of it in in in, in and of itself. So I'm in for that. In in the comics, what happens was. Uh, this is when Magneto removed the adamantium from Wolverine's skeleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xavier decided that was kind of a final straw with Magneto, and he shut down his like brain, rendering him catatonic. And uh, all like the negative emotions of Magneto entered Xavier, and the way it was like expelled was like creating the psionic entity of uh, Onslaught. Mm-hmm. It was like all the negative uh, characteristics of Magneto and like the telepathic abilities of Xavier create like a whole new entity. So you can see kind of how maybe, you know, the stress that these two characters are under in Krakoa, as Sean mentioned, how, you know, Onslaught can find his way back in. Is is Onslaught canon? Yes. He must be, right? He was in, he was obviously in the Onslaught late 90s event but then he was in onslaught reborn in like 2006 right Mm. and don't um what did we read was it x-force that we read where they go to the onslaught world onslaught world onslaught world i think Um, in the mojo verse no uh they they had to team up with the onslaught versions of the X-Men. You're talking about Apocalypse. Oh, is that Apocalypse? Oh, okay. Well, Age of Apocalypse you're thinking of, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. We'll have to wait and ask Marco. The, he's the expert. <laughs> well, well to, to, to know where this thing's going, we'll have to wait for Way of X number three. If you guys are interested in hearing us review that, or Fantastic Four Life Story number two, or any other book for that matter. Let us know. Uh, We're not biased towards Marvel or DC or anything. We'll read whatever. Uh, Let us know what you want us to read. You can get us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Wherever it is that you're listening to us, make sure that you leave us a like and a rating and a review and a follow. If that happens to be on YouTube, make sure that you guys are hitting that subscribe button like the video, share with your friends. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Until next week, take care, guys.